This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. You are now entering the Bad Christian Podcast. Three, 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 two, 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 two. Whoa, 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 hit it, Chewie. Kick it Nintendo style. It's the Bad Christian Podcast. It's the Bad Christian Podcast. It's the Big Christian Podcast. Okay, good job, Joey. Joey, how are you doing living without me? Like, we don't get to talk now. Like, I mean, usually we talk several times a day in person, and now we don't. Like, how are you doing? You doing good? I'm a very organized person, so I keep a to tell Toby list. What about me? We're closer. We just are. Yeah, now, I know no, it's uncomfortable, no. but let's just get it out there. <laughs> Joey and I are way closer than you and I, Joey are. I, I know that. I am curious, though, what both of y'all think about this because y'all are very different from me. I was <laughs> sitting at Chick-fil-A last week. Kids are playing in the play area. I'm looking out the window. An employee is washing the windows. She does this to her friends. That's called shooting the middle finger for those of you that aren't watching and you're listening to the podcast. And she does it really quick she knows it's bad she gives a face <laughs> she does it again and like her fellow employees are just like oh that girl's so rude and all this stuff and so i was like i'm sitting there i am friends with the owner and so if i was in his shoes and someone did that in my business <laughs> and it was a good friend i'd be like why didn't you tell me so i'm sitting there i'm like do i I don't have anything against Wait this a girl. You, are you about to say you had a moral obligation to rat somebody for? Yeah, you ratted. Uh, you ratted. So. No, I, I don't see. I don't see it as a moral obligation. I saw it as a friend obligation. So to I'm be a rat. There, yes, I didn't have any problem with this girl. She didn't do anything to me. But I was like, my friend. You needs just wanted to, know to get in trouble. Sh- no, he needed to know because you didn't if, ever shoot a bird when you were young. Right. Well, no, no, no. T- How about this? Listen. I saw my pastor of my local campus that I worked at shoot a bird. I did not tell on him, and that right. person was Joey Spence. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen you shoot a bird, service. and I did not tell Pastor Greg. Wait, but that's that. not customer <laughs> service. I'm not trying to jump ahead. You told the manager of the Chick-fil-A about it? Yeah, so I texted, and I said, listen, you probably just want to know that you're... <laughs> that's terrible. Why is that terrible? He you're needs just to a, know. It's called a rat is why you it's don't terrible. Do, I, I don't know that girl. You don't do that in customer service. So, Toby, I would say that if if someone new came into the church and I stood up during response time, I started shooting the bird. You would walk me off the stage. That's your obligation. So neither one of y'all would have even thought I've got to tell my friend. What Wait, are, she, are, was, are, she was doing it on her break though, right? No, she was, she on, was cleaning the window. She was on the clock. So let me ask y'all this. What if I owned the Chick-fil-A and I wasn't there and one of my employees was, you had uh, an employee that likes to make jokes from time to time. Right. <laughs> it, that would be a travesty. I would need to it know It was in front of customers. I was obviously a customer, and she did it right in front of me. All right, so both y'all would not have done it. Oh, y'all wouldn't I, have done it. No, my God, no. I mean, that, that, that doesn't reflect anything on Chick-fil-A, and I would just either feel bad for her or think it's funny. Like, it doesn't yeah. It doesn't make me think less of Chick-fil-A. Oh, I'm not going to – you weren't going to take a stand and not go to Chick-fil-A if she was there next yeah, week, I, would you? I, I disagree. If you're on the clock at a customer service, there's certain behaviors that you have to uh, abide by. That's just me. So I, I, I mean, I guarantee you've worked customer service and done worse stuff. When than you worked at Applebee's, did. did you maybe ever do anything inappropriate that a customer may have seen? 
Uh, probably so. It's but if somebody told so. if if they told on me, then that's my bad. Yeah. Like, well, Matt, you know so that's the way it, it that, is. That's my little uh, moral slash. What do I do as a friend story, Matt? You've got rat. An, yeah. Matt, you've got an embarrassing story that you've yeah, been telling. I've been. It's been very. Yeah, difficult. I've been waiting. I've I been had, waiting to hear this one. <laughs> I had an embarrassing. Uh, event happened to me that i thought sounded like some kind of joey spenson story or something so that joey always has uh, these weird stories uh, so I, i've got one this week that i thought might be good to share so embarrassing stories are just called joey spenson stories. right it, yeah essentially so uh <laughs> I, I there's a visual to this so i'm gonna see if, if reva and, and the guys will you be able don't don't do it yet but you have the photo will you be able to play that into the broadcast well we'll deal with it sideways but in the meantime text it to them y'all don't have to look at this yet but text them the photo, and then when I tell you to look at this photo, you know, look at it. Okay, here's the okay. deal. So last Tuesday night we did the podcast. The night after that was the Sherwood Show in Seattle. So okay, yeah, we had a uh, big crew there, people, volunteers, some of this podcast crew, and then as you know, when when there's a BC music band playing in Seattle, it's hard to walk through the crowd without a lot of people knowing, for instance, uh, who I am. I'm not a me mega celebrity, right. but if there's 300 people in a room and it's a BC music artist, chances right. are I'm well-recognized in, in that right. specific room. So humble brag or whatever, but that, that was the scenario. So I'm there. Um, okay, so let me give you the background, the backdrop for that day. Here's what I did that day. I got up, drank some coffee, put some MCT oil in it, didn't eat a big breakfast, just I didn't have time. You uh, shat yourself. No, go ahead. Keep keep go guessing. Ahead. I know you don't know what's coming, but keep <laughs> guessing. So I'll go to uh, – we had a tickets to go to the Mariners game midday, take Georgia, a bunch of friends, went to a Mariners game at noon. Go to the Mariners game, and there's this 1 o'clock game, and there's, you know, there's not any ball game food that I can eat. But I'm really good with uh, a piece of sausage and some right. heavy cream and MC2 oil in my coffee. I don't get hungry almost ever. So right. just didn't really eat anything at the ball game. Uh, I carried Georgia about 10 blocks on her shoulders from our parking spot. It's hot. Um, to the, sat in the sun, watched the game, carried her 10 blocks back to the car after the game. Then I go home for a little bit, and then Bridget wants to go to the Sherwood concert, uh, and she wants to go to a nice restaurant across the street from the venue. So oh, we wow. go to this restaurant, and there wasn't anything really to eat there, too. I thought there might be, but there oh, wasn't. Lord. So I got a salad that had some slivers of lamb. And when I say slivers, I mean slivers of lamb right. on some arugula you um, got a food allergy like will smith on hitch good guess still not right um and so and so then i had a couple beers of course um yeah, oh, i had to i had a beer there ate the salad probably 400 through 200 calorie salad and i had, i mean i had a few other i might have had a handful of nuts earlier in the day go over to the show um watching the show uh tyson massenbacher opened it was great it was awesome he nodded to me from stage i'm like i'm gonna talk to you later um, right. hang out say hey to everybody um tooth and nail people there everybody then um hanging out there bridget now during this particular time frame bridget decides to leave and go get a piece of pizza which i don't know why because your she, wife dies you pregnant. didn't do anything about she's it pregnant. she is pregnant but we ate dinner i ate a salad and then she goes to get a pizza a little bit later anyway she's going to get pizza right before sherwood's going on stage um so i'm watching sherwood so i'm up close to the stage i'm leaning against this pole uh, it's just, I don't know, it's just pole, structural pole right there in the venue. I'm leaning up against it, watching it. Um, and, <laughs> all right, sorry. I, I'm going to, 
I don't know which way to go. I've got two funny things to tell you next. I don't know which one, which order okay. to tell them in. So I'm going to have to make a judgment call here. Um, have you ever been, I'll, I'll go this way. Have you ever been um, taking a nap, like a really, really good nap in the middle of the day somewhere? And then uh, all the time, your wife or somebody tries to wake you up or whatever. And just like, you're barely coming to consciousness and you're like, I do not feel like waking up. I think I'm just yes. going to stay asleep here. Yes, for okay. sure. Well, that happened to me on the floor <laughs> in the venue. Wait, you're on the floor? I was taking a a very deep nap, and people were trying to wake me up because I was on the floor. Oh, my Lord. Right. At the venue? You passed out? I, 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 that's, the only, that's the seizure? only conclusion I can make. Um, let me back up one more step. This is the other thing I, I could could tell you. Right before Sherwood went on stage. Were you smoking weed? Right before Sherwood went on stage. Good guess. I took three hits of a weed vaporizer. <laughs> Came in, started watching the show, and I watched the first three songs, and I thought, this is the best concert I've ever seen in my life. So I'm so into it. I, I feel so, so relaxed yeah. and good. I thought it was just so good. And I was like, I cannot believe how good these guys are and then i said what wait a minute i might be a little bit high and then I, you know then the, the nap thing happened and people were waking me up on the ground I'm, I'm bleeding and it's bad it's real bad we're, we're, so you actually passed out I, apparently like what I like face I, forward I, mean, it was, where I have no memory at whatsoever but i woke up and it was i mean it was bad I, um can you show them the picture can you put it up here can you oh my gosh i'm looking at it right now can you see the picture you look it's, like Glass Joe. Can you see it on the broadcast too? Okay. Um, so, yeah, I got the so the, the people took me, security took me, and everything. Bridget's still gone, and I am lightheaded, <laughs> slightly nauseous, um, and bleeding, and I've got I'm bruised, and it, it, I mean it was oh, you know Lord. I fell down on my head on the ground at, at and, the concert. And you're and you're the owner of the record label, <laughs> right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> the mo- one of the more recognizable people there. <laughs> right. So so hold on. So you did you didn't see any of this coming? Like was not, there a point where you're like, "Whoa, I'm nothing. really tired." Not, even, not not even at all. Like I was listening to notes saying, "Wow, what a good D major 7 chord that was." I can't believe Nate can hit that note. Man, I feel, "Ooh, this is fun." I mean, that's what that's what I was th- that's where I was. I was like, "Man, they're doing so good with the crap." You know, I was just into the concert feeling like zoned in, and next thing I know, I'm just waking up on the ground, and that's it. I mean, I'm waking Lord up and, and and I'm in pain and it hurts. Oh, because because you crashed, like you fell on the ground and Apparently, hit your head. But again, but Dude, I had no gosh. thoughts going down. Did anybody see weak. you? Do did anybody see you fall? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Did I you? Were you? <laughs> were you embarrassed? Like you don't really get embarrassed. Were you embarrassed, or did you try I, to say I'm fine? No big deal. Well, well uh, when I'm on the ground, when it happens, I promise I w- open my eyes and I'm like, how can I get out of this? What story can I weave? What can I tell? I've got to. There's no way. <laughs> I got y'all. Got y'all. Yeah, it's like there's no way. That, and and then and then I felt the pain and the the lightheadedness oh. and the goofiness and like the 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 head injury part of it. And I said, I, I'm you know I'm gonna take. Did my you have to go to the here. hospital? I'm, I'm done. I went to the hospital. Yeah. Um, you had to oh go to the hospital. Lord. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it was like Bridget was really scared and stuff, you know. So, like, like, uh, do like you, is there any chance you had a seizure or something? No, wasn't or a seizure. You, I, I don't actually. I can't tell you exactly the reason I passed out. I'm it just was a seizure. Well, <laughs> I don't think that weed makes people pass out, but I'm not yeah. that experienced, so I, I couldn't tell you. But it, that that's not my general sense. But I would say the lightheadedness from being high, maybe on top of the other things. 
I, I don't know. I, I, I can't even tell you why. I told everybody at the well, doctor. I was, I'm, I'll be quite honest and take my lumps about the embarrassing parts of that. It is what it is, you know. But when Bridget gets back, like, I felt so weak I couldn't even really text her to tell her, and I didn't want to alarm her, so I just waited. And then the security guards have me, and they've got, I've got ice on my head, and I can barely talk, and people are talking to me, asking me I'm okay. Some people tried to call Bridget and tell her, you need to come back and stuff. I mean, I'm sitting in the club still being taken care of by security. It's just horrible. It's so embarrassing. <laughs> but there was nothing I could do. I was that weak, and I was that, like, feeling bad. I, I knew that I, could, I couldn't play it off. I wanted to, and I tried, and I, I couldn't do it. Were you, were you scared at all that, like, something real bad, or were you like, this yeah, probably is the I was, weed and not enough food or something? I, I was or scared. You, I mean, I was scared when it happened. I, I mean, I just had to admit that straight away. I know it's there's so much about this embarrassing, or I'd like to explain away, or whatever. And so we start going to the hospital. Um, and so Bridge was like, what happened? She was so worried and she was so concerned. That made you feel great. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so, but the, well, so she says, of. she says, what? She goes like, she, she, she's quivery when she's talking right. to me. Cause she's kind of mad. She wants to be mad at right. me. She wants yeah. to says, what, uh, what, what are those oils you got? What were you doing? You know, she was worried about the MCT oil or my diet or something oh, like yeah, that. Yeah. So she started asking, yeah. "What are the, what is that? What is that oil that you got from Amazon the other day? Um, is it part of that? You got to tell the doctor about what you're, how you're eating, what you're doing. You know, and she and then she pauses for a little bit and she starts to get mad and she goes, "I can't be mad." And she says, "I'm so sorry that I was gone when it happened." She felt bad and she was trying to take yeah. it there, but she was also like trying to blame it on something or whatever. Your right. wife loves you, dude. That's awesome. Yeah, but she didn't know about the weed. Oh, you at see. that point she didn't. And I was know like, "Well, I'm gonna." I had to explain this, and then I told I told her about it, and she <laughs> was just like, "Okay, are you serious?" And she tried not to be mad. Yeah, <laughs> I'm all, we're all the way up. I'm gonna have to tell the doctor. I'm just gonna tell. Right. I'm thinking. I guess I'll have to tell this on the podcast. I don't know. I, I was trying to think all the ways out of, it, but there's no way out of it. So I just told her that, and she's trying not to be. And she goes, "I'm sorry, I wasn't there, whatever." And then silent in the car for a couple minutes, and then she says, uh, kind of quiver, she says. Cause she, you know, she says, well, we're about to have our second baby. Maybe it's not the best time for you to start using drugs. <laughs> hey, she didn't know that you had been taking any at all. Uh, she, she, I mean, she knew that I've, I've tried it, had tried it or had it around some. Right. You know, but I don't tell, you know what I mean? Like I just, I have a weed vaporizer. I've been trying it out a little bit and she knows it. I guess, but I was like, well, you know, I'll just explain. She, she knew about it, but nonetheless, the, the, the sweet line of maybe it's not the best time to start doing drugs, <laughs> to start doing drugs, <laughs> but maybe she's right. I don't know what else to tell you. I had to take my so, so the doctors cleared you, right? It was just, they said, yeah, you probably just got too Yeah, high we got hooked something. up. They gave me a, 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 you know, took blood. They did it, uh, EEG on my, uh, an EKG on my yeah. chest and checked my heart rhythm and the, the, those they checked your hydration and everything. They, you know what's crazy about it is um, maybe I wasn't taking good care of myself. I get that. Like In retrospect, it sounds like, man, you don't take good care of yourself. But I've, I've always felt totally invincible, and nothing bad's ever happened to me, and I never get sick. And I don't worry about shit, and nothing ever happens to me. It right. did this time. I, I get it. So as embarrassing as that is, but it's kind of like um, the way Toby said that I don't – He's like I say, I don't get headaches, I don't get sick. And Toby thinks I might get sick and get headaches, but not even – know it you know how you've said that before yeah sure. that kind of rings true here like I, I i just don't notice when stuff like that like joey there, there's probably no no matt's probably matt's probably passed out hundreds of times he just did it he's like oh, i took a nap <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was, no i, I didn't, didn't 
pass out. I was, a, I just I was not, on the couch. Yeah, it's out. something to do with the way my brain is or wired or whatever. I don't. I just don't process stuff like that because it's not on my mind. So maybe I do have pains and problems and sicknesses. I just don't recognize. Yeah. But I feel like an invincible person most of the time. And also, so it goes with the doctor. Um, I am dead determined talking to this doctor for him to evaluate me okay. And Bridget said this too. Um, he did all this cognitive tests for concussion stuff and make sure I wouldn't have a brain injury. So he did all these cognitive tests on me. And I was really clear with the doctor. I used as big and strong and articulate as I could be, used the best vocabulary <laughs> I could use medically and everything just to make sure he thought I was okay. Big eyes staring yep. at him. Yeah. yeah, I was just like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pass this fucking test. Right. I'm, you know, I'm not get. I don't have a concussion is what I was trying to Now, try, you, now you were still probably high during this, right? Well, yeah, that too. Yeah, it was intense. I, I, yeah, you know, yeah, I'll give yeah. you that. But I was determined to pass the, the the cognitive test that he gave me. He says, do this. He asks you a bunch of questions to try to throw you <laughs> off. And I'm just, you know, and Bridget was like, when he left the room, she said, I feel like you're the kind of person that might be able to fool the doctor, even if you, <laughs> which I took as a compliment. She's saying, Matt, you're really right. smart. And you probably could muster at a reduced cognitive level to appear like a normal person. <laughs> but she was worried that. I still probably had more of a head injury than the doctor could discern based on my performance on the cognitive test. <laughs> but she's super worried. I feel terrible. Well, at least you didn't collapse on your daughter on a giant <laughs> board of Twister. <laughs> <laughs> but at least you weren't using drugs, legal drugs. But nonetheless, at least you weren't using the weed. That, that's so crazy. I'm worried now because like it, it's like a matter of time for me, right? Like, like my, my two best friends here have passed out they, in public. They both have yeah. passed out. Joey's passed out twice. Joey always says he <laughs> hydration. He asked you, are you hydrated, man? <laughs> it's always going to be water with Joey. My friend, it's water with Joey and weed with my <laughs> other friend. But me, my time's coming, guys. Like, I, I mean, I get dizzy. I, like, I have an inner ear thing, and I do have, like, a little bit of vertigo, dizziness, or whatever. But it, it it's probably just a matter of time till. I'm, I wake up laying on the ground somewhere. It, That's good. And, and my wife thinks I'm so. dead. Well, you're the hypochondriac anyway. I'm the, I'm, I know. Whatever the opposite is of hypochondriac is what I am. I mean, I don't, I don't think right. anything ever could be wrong with me. That's, did y'all know, did y'all know that ever since I had that seizure back in 2011, I would say twice a year, my uh, socket joint on my shoulder, I move my arm a certain way and it completely pops out. And I'm like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my, and I just move it an inch and it pops right back in. But I, I did some research on it and it said that if you tear some of those ligaments, then that every time it pops yeah. out, it has to reheal itself. Yeah. But, wait, wait, oh wait. my you mean, gosh, you mean it hurts. Your body isn't working good? Yeah, you have some defective <laughs> body. Wait, there's something wrong with your shoulder? That seems so odd for you. That's so, so surprising that but, you uh, yeah. receive an injury from a seizure. So I made it a point to tell the, tell the story in full detail. Bridget posted a picture of us at a wedding this weekend. and there was I saw a, that. That was a, a nice picture. But well, Yeah, I thought it looked great. But the, um, my, uh, it had a Band-Aid on my head, so my mom's commenting on there. So, Mom, I know she watches the podcast, listens to it. This is your official information. That, I told Bridget, don't respond in the, you know. <laughs> just wait. I'll put it out on the podcast. I'm sure mom will hear it. <laughs> what happened to me? So there you so go. So where, hey, where, where are you at now? Like, are you still embarrassed? Like, was that hard to, to say on, on, on the podcast? I was really, kind of I was very upset about it. Like in my head that night, I was like, yeah, I can't even imagine a scenario where I could withhold <laughs> this from the, the internet. Cause it just wouldn't be right. I was like, this is right. so bad, but I, I, I'm sure that I'm going to have to. And I was thinking I wouldn't, and then by by the next day, I was like, well, 
you know, this I, this is my opportunity to say something shitty about me and just it, it, whatever it is, it is. So I'm just gonna do it. If it's worse than that, if I do something dumber, I'll tell you to. I don't care. I just well, you, I, you I feel just, better now than I than I did last week, and I'm proud of I'm proud of to be able to admit my foolishness. I'm okay. Well, with it. Like, you did guys, you go to Georgia and look her in the eye and go, don't ever do marijuana. <laughs> <laughs> she asked a few questions and I didn't explain to her THC and its effects or, or I, I didn't explain to her. Are, are you scared of it now? Like, it seems like you might be a little intimidated know. now. Like, uh, what uh, could, it could happen again? Like, here's the thing. Oh, I want to tell you. I, no, I just got to eat more. Are you crazy? Maybe. Just got to eat lunch. Well, here's the thing. I want to tell a little funny side story about Matt passing out. One time we're in Joplin, Missouri, and Matt, we all, there is a one-foot deck at the back of this load-in dock. It's like a load-in dock, a one-foot little load-in dock, high, one-foot high. We all, like, you know, we're loading in, so we just, uh, you walk back, you just kind of hop off the one-foot deck, right? Matt hops off, and his ankle twists just a little bit. He passes out. <laughs> <laughs> I think you out really like misremember that story, but I'll <laughs> let I'll let it go. I think that that's no, a funnier way no, than it, what no, it really you, was. You, your ankle popped. I mean, it probably hurt. I mean, you twisted yeah. your, your you know your ankle it, does it, that little hard thing. But you did pass out for three seconds. I, and I was unloading back. a two hundred pound case, oh, okay. and my left ankle hit on an incline, and it made an audible sound that sounded like a snap and pop, yeah, and, I yeah. pa- and I passed out. But it was more psychosomatic than my ankle was broken, which is what I thought. And but I did, I did lose consciousness for a couple of seconds on that one too. <laughs> but bless his heart, he hadn't eaten all day. <laughs> Your story gives me a little bit of courage to admit that time when I was on y'all's bus and went a little too crazy with the liquor. And remember the next morning how bad I felt, and you guys were having to talk me down, saying, "Dude, it was an accident." Don't feel bad about it. Yeah. But the well, the the funniest thing is I remember you guys saying, Hey, does anybody know why Joey's acting so funny? Like, did anybody and Devin well, wait, says, wait, wait. You, you're not explaining this story well. Uh, for our listeners, we gotta explain it to them. Well, I was we, just about to say what Devin said. Well, was, yeah, but he, here's the let, let me set it up a little bit. We are on tour, Joey's out with us, hanging out, we're all buddies. Joey stays in, like, we we have to do a meet and greet or whatever. Joey stays in and is in the bus by himself for about an hour. No one but me, probably, and Priscilla probably realizes this, but Joey has no concept of a limit on food, <laughs> on like, food. Like, when we've gone and gotten ice cream before, and Joey gets, like, every ice cream that he wants. He doesn't think, well, I'll just get the one. He goes, no, I, I like vanilla. I like this other one. I like this, so I get them all. It doesn't matter how much it costs. Joey doesn't drink liquor really ever and so you poured yourself a glass of whiskey it was a glass like like 12 ounces yeah because no, it, no. it was coke it was like half coke half whiskey which is okay, way too but much it, 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 it was at least probably four shots of whiskey though yeah he just didn't so, know what he was doing yeah. he got drunk and, so, and didn't yeah. realize that he was drunk because he didn't even know what drunk was so we came <laughs> back on the bus yeah you didn't even know what drunk no, was. he had came, no clue <laughs> and we came back on the bus and i was just joking around with you. i was like stop it Quit. Why are you? Okay, we get it. All right, Joey, stop. And then I realized, oh, shit, this dude's He's messed drunk. up. And then Devin, De- then you can tell him what Devin said. Yeah, so, so Devin comes out of the back area because he heard you guys talking to me and said, hey, I actually saw Joey like pour an ass load of liquor into his <laughs> bottle and he just drank it. But all. you didn't know. So in your defense, I'll give you tons of credit there and defend you you really had never been drunk before and didn't mean to and even know what the hell you were doing you right. just well, saw us drinking whiskey mixing it with coke and you just poured it and drank it and well, it, matt, it happened 
Matt, do you remember me walking up to you during your Emory set as you're talking, and I'm trying to encourage you to throw our book out into the crowd? Yeah. You were gone. It was it was crazy. It was hard. To, it was hard to get a grip on. No, but you came on stage and you threw T-shirts at the crowd. Yeah, did I hard. really? You yeah. came up and threw. You were throwing them really hard at like young teens. <laughs> no, was I really? Yeah, yeah I mean, I real hard. That. And then the funniest part was Priscilla was so pissed and like disappointed in you and you're like i didn't know what i was doing <laughs> you just She's accidentally like, drank one you go on tour with drink. the band and you get wasted <laughs> <laughs> wives man they don't know what to do when you mess up like it it's it, you know in their defense it is always something stupid like what is she supposed to do like you passed out in front of everybody and she thinks you might be dead i know but it's just because you're being a dumbass <laughs> yeah i know <laughs> totally so the other thing big news this week um I'm not talking about any of that convention stuff and that national news stuff, but let's God, focus let's shit. focus on the BC world. Let's focus on the Christian world. Let's focus on the music world. Let's focus on what we know. Can we do that? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So you guys heard this. I don't know how you heard it, if you did, but King's Kaleidoscope playing Creation Festival removed from Creation Festival. Yeah. Did you hear Lord. that? Lord. Yep. Okay. How did you hear about that? One from uh, me telling I, you. I saw our bad Christian tweet. So you yeah. you had retweeted Chad Gardner's yeah. tweet, basically telling people, "Sorry, they're not going to be there. If you want a refund, then go directly to Creation Fest." And I really, really liked the immediate discussion that was going on. I like what you said. I forgot exactly what it was. But let me. So basically, this is all about them saying "fuck" on a song that is completely gospel centered. Is totally talking about feeling darkness and i think it's uh he says fucking violent when the world it, yeah feels he fucking says something about something my like fear uh, and and the fear or my fear is fucking violent right and and and, no. and, and honestly the the song actually takes a complete 180 like none none of us thinks that a song should do that but this particular song does take a 180 jesus is there everything's okay but still it uses the f word so he can't be at a christian festival and I'm probably going to have the most unpopular opinion, yeah. but I am not mad at the festival because they're just doing what they think is right. I completely disagree. I am so happy that we are on the brink of change. I like everything that everybody said. I like what Chad is saying. I 100% disagree, but it doesn't make me mad. I thought about it, and I was just like, these people were taught. They think saying that word is bad and sinful. Mm -hmm. So to them, it's the equivalent of, oh, you get wasted in front of people while you're playing songs. We can't have you here. No, There's but that's no the difference problem I have. The problem I have with that is they do say bad words. They do drink too much sometimes. They do all those things. The people that run the fest, you're saying? The other bands. A lot of the people there make like mistakes. 90%. Or, and I don't even want to say it's a mistake. Yeah. Do things that they don't feel bad about or do things intentionally. But man, not I'm definitely, on man, the album. I worked, a hard, I worked a hard 40 this week. I'm going to go have several beers at the bar with my buddy. That, there's people at the festival and going to the festival that do that, and it, and it might not be wrong. And Chad is doing something artistically yeah. that still he thinks is honoring God. Even like like there, it's I would a prayer. Even say the song's Keith, called a prayer. Keith's Kaleidoscope's a Christian band. Is right. what I would even it's, classify it, it's them. It's an extremely Christian yeah. song. Did you yeah. see what he he tweeted? He actually said, "We'll have to go play our gospel song somewhere else." I love that. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought that but, was really good. But, but as soon as I heard that song, I knew this would happen. Let, yeah, happen I did to too. Us. Let me clear it, up a couple of details for people that didn't that don't know all the details about it. So King's Kaleidoscope has a song on their album. It's called A Prayer, and Chad describes it as just something that came out of him that he was feeling, that he wrote down like a psalm of David crying out to God, um, and that was the word that came out, and his decision was to 
put it out or not in the first place. And then ultimately, after a lot of thinking about it, the song existed. It came to him in a pure sense where it just came right out. And then he decided, should he avoid letting people know that that came out of him or that he felt that way or that he prayed that or not? And should he do it for monetary purposes? Should he do it for to grow? Should he do it to, is it going to, what's the, you know, will he get in trouble for it? What will be the ramifications? He decided to let it be there and then also put out a clean version of the song. Now, what's most important to me is the fact that they submitted their set list to Creation Festival and said very plainly, they would not in any way and were not planning on and would not play that song. So it had nothing to do. They weren't going to play the song at the festival. So all, all that that means is a guy who thought that, who said that and allowed other people to hear it can't be here at this festival. Yeah. That's, that's, now, that's well, the did, statement. That's not the statement, but that's the uh, position ultimately of Creation Festival. And I would challenge Joey on that. I don't think it's what they actually think. I don't that that's the really sad, depressing. What do you mean? Whoa, whoa, what do you mean? That's they don't they don't believe it's a bad word. The people I I don't think that they have a problem with it. I don't think that they don't like the art. I'm I'm just speculating, but I don't I believe that money. I believe that it's tangled up in stuff like that. So think about this way. When you look at politics, right, you watch politics and you watch corporate America. Um, Would Coca-Cola pull an ad from somewhere? if it was affiliated with domestic violence because they couldn't have that attached to their image. They would. Or, or whatever, or, you know. Right. What, people make decisions like, well, we don't want to be attached to this or we don't want to be attached to that. And we, if, if I, as a politician, say this, then this community is going to come down on me. And we think that those things are a little bit, they, those things kind of, I made an example about domestic violence. I think that would be reasonable to not want to be attached to it. But um, you hear stuff and politics and corporations all the time where they make decisions that are just because they don't want to deal with the, the stuff that comes against them if they were attached to it, right? Like a sponsor pulls out from a boycott or the minority makes noise. And we think those are nasty things, and, and it sucks that people do that, that they, that they play to the lowest common denominator or that they make those decisions that aren't ones that they actually hold just because they know what it might cost them. And I think that that's at play here, but I think it's a ton worse because – it's also about it's also tangled up with Christianity and faith, and it's actually trying to make some statement that um, it's wrong or it's not okay to say that or feel that way or say that way. But the reason not to have them at the festival is because they will get X amount of complaints. They might lose funding. Um, they will be scrutinized, and they don't want that. On so it's them. a coward move, is what you're saying. It's a coward move. Yeah, that, I, I, that, what, those words weren't in my head, but that sounds about right. So it's like a polit- the, the sucky stuff about politicians. But at least in that world, you can just leave it in that world and go, oh, well, they're politicians. This is, this is, a, this is, a, this is in the name of God. Yeah. Okay. And I don't they, like it. I just think it's not, it's not right. And it may I, be about money. It may be about just reputation. I'm not sure. And I'm speculating to some degree. But I don't think they have as big of a problem with it. And I don't think it makes sense at all. I think it's really sad. I think it's, and it, I think it causes a lot of problems. I really do. I think it's a very harmful thing that everybody in Christianity needs to pretend to be better than they are for money, power, influence, uh, to avoid criticism. Whatever those reasons are, that's what this is to me. Well, here's the biggest problem. How many people attending the festival have heard a song with a cuss word in it? (laughs) Right? Like, 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 I mean, seriously. Yeah. All the people have heard that. So, the problem with Christianity is, and this just is kills me. Is it, I don't want to say Christianity. Uh, maybe we should say evangelical church or this 
this idea of what a Christian yeah. is today, or even the Christian it, in music industry. Right, if you the want to be specific, is, it's just an it's just a gross industry. But, that, but I'm going to even you know, go farther, not just the music industry, but in the church and the yeah. pastors and with everything we do with the staff, clergy, whatever you want to say. There is not space, especially in in the evangelical world, for growth or just time. Like in any other thing, you would go, wait a minute, I'm going to judge this band and their songs by the merit. Like, like, is it good or not? Okay, they're no good. We don't want them here at this festival. Hey, yeah. they're great. We want them at a festival. But it just is frustrating that in the Christian world, which should be known for beauty and art and all the th- great things that is done in the history of the world, we sit here and we say, nope, because this uh, evangelical crowd might be mad and not come back. That's the reason. The reason it's they don't fear. want to do it is because, yeah. is because oh, the, if anybody at the festival hears that there's a band that had as a cuss word, they recorded. Not that they were say yeah, the, a, a guy said a cuss word one time <laughs> and decided to let other people hear it. And, yeah, he not recorded that he was going to yeah. say it on stage or is a bad guy or has any questionable about his character at all he's a guy who said the f-word one time and allowed other people to hear it right so he had the choice to share that with people or not either way it happened and in every way i would expect 95 percent of performers at the festival have said the f-word before chad's brave enough to let people hear it and attach it to god and his prayer and his fear and his frustration and his art thank well, you chad me- Thank you, yeah. Chad, is all I know how to say on that. Yeah, for but, sure. But, I mean, why, the, 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 here's the thing. I just want to make this clear, though. It, it's frustrating, but this is where it all starts. Like, what we are literally seeing now is this is the forefront of years, maybe decades from now, bands will actually be able to, to create music that honors God and is artistic and all oh, that stuff, regardless of the words of they use. Right, right. So that it means something again, because yeah. does nobody yeah. realize that music, it, especially Christian music, is, is starting more and more to mean nothing. It literally is just an industry where you're just trying to write a song that's super vague for 18 to 40-year-old females. And, and, that, and, and I mean, seriously, Matt and I were told by record executives when we did the Matt and Toby record, hey, if you want to get in the Christian market, you need to write songs for 18 to 40-year-old females who don't really like music. That's right. And, and so, of course, the, if that's who you're trying to bring to your church and to your festivals so that they bring them in then and the you family can't have and the kids, Chad. then you can't have Chad. You, you can't, can't have art right. because it might be scary. And that's well, nothing against women. I, I, if I was a woman, I'd be offended hearing that because women should like music and do like many music. of them do. I've heard. Yeah, yeah. I would say maybe even most. <laughs> but that that is what I mean. You are being preyed upon by Christian radio stations and these uh, uh, Christian churches that are writing these songs that you're hearing because they think you don't give a damn about music yeah. or and, art and or anything you, like that. If it's you take it to the extreme, it, if you take it any farther, it literally makes the churches and the festival goers and the powerful people in the Christian industry, the politicians, they're Trump and Clinton. They're well, just, I mean, they're just yeah, pandering right. to what they, that, what they yes. better do for their crowd. I that's mean, you guys, all you can do. And you, I think that's a big problem. If you don't like the pandering of Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump, this is what that is. This is pandering. Yeah. You I guys believe really, that it is. You can't. You guys... Yeah, you guys realize just the fact that there is somewhat of a backlash, that's huge progress. Yeah. I mean, seriously, I this time 15 years ago, it'd just be oh, yeah. consensus. Yeah, of they course. shouldn't be here. I well, that's the great, yeah, we, that's we, great we got news kicked off a festival. We got kicked off a Christian festival one time 
for a lot of money. I think it was like for us. It was $15,000. It was like $15,000 because Dave in an interview, oh, yeah. somebody asked Dave, <laughs> what's the last song you listened to? And he said, Me So Horny. By Two Live By crew. Two Live Crew. And then and, somebody at the festival that we had booked for $15,000 read that interview <laughs> and said, well, the drummer for that band listened to a Two Live Crew song. And we, told the truth. And told the truth. <laughs> and we can't have Emory at that festival. And that I mean, happened, it's just, I mean, that happened. We lost $15,000. <laughs> True story. But, and, and you know what's funny is like Bridget, I wanted to be mad at Dave. I, I mean, yeah, that's my right, mind. Right. I wanted, I was like, in my why mind, did you I was say thinking, that? Dave, why don't you just not say that? And then I thought I'm being so stupid. <laughs> I actually got on the phone with the, with the promoter, the head of the festival. And I said, you, you understand somebody asked Dave a question. He just told the truth, right? He's like, yeah, I'm really sorry. We just, we can't have our. Our festival and, and every time, and, and I'm just like, come yeah, on, it drives me crazy. And it goes to the micro level, by the way. People, uh, uh, a community group leader or an individual make these things. And I'm not going to get into this. We got a bunch of other stuff to do. We have a guest in a second, but people go, but it could be a stumbling block. Well, point number one, this is going to make a lot of noise. People are going crazy on, and in fact, it is true that Creation Festival was very worried and upset because they have been getting a ton of stuff. It seemed that's the information that I've gotten is that. That the festival's super worried and are looking really bad in their Facebook pages and their Twitter. They're getting tons and tons of, uh, I can only imagine, unexpected feedback on this that people are very disappointed and unhappy. And that's the good news. But if if you want to throw out the thing, well, we don't want to be a stumbling block, what would be the stumbling block? Somebody yeah. would hear the F word. And even if so, and I don't right. want to get into that argument, I don't want to do it. It's a stupid argument that people use to justify image management and reputation control, typically, in my opinion. But in this case, Chris, Creation Festival, your decision has caused massive publicity for this song that is inevitably causing thousands of people to want to know what the hubbub is, right. going to download the song and listen to where Chad said, fuck, you are causing the stumbling block, you assholes. Right. That's the way I feel about that. If, if that's really the truth is we've got to do whatever we can to limit people from hearing the F word because it's yeah, a they just stumbling block. Yeah. All, and if so, us talking about on this podcast and the feedback online well, Christianity's in big trouble this week. You know how many people are, I mean, it's a stumble factory out there this week, right? It's just constant. <laughs> look, look at Spotify and look at all the plays that Kings K has. Stumble, stumble. Count each one of the 64,000 as stumbles. It's bad. This is a bad epidemic of stumbling now because that song is out there and people are checking it out. So many stumbles, It's it so bad. We're in huge trouble. <laughs> Good job, Creation Fest. You <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, I, I, again, this is speculation. I'm not trying to cause beef with them. Book us next year. We never cussed in the song, but hey. <laughs> it's coming, though. I can tell <laughs> Toby's going to throw everybody off. <laughs> People have asked us. I've gotten so many emails about, hey, is your next album you thinking going to add profanity since we started Bad Christian? I was like, <laughs> no. Nah, I mean, I don't want to. That's the thing. You don't. Does anybody understand? Like, it, it, like Chad wrestled with that decision. And thought about it, honestly, not only from a thinking about it uh, artistic side, obviously, is where you start, but also about his fans and people and what they would think. And he knew it would push a limit. He knew right. it would push the edges. And But that's what art is supposed to do. Uh, there's people right? close it, to it, that band yeah. that said, I, I've supported you guys forever, like family members of members of the band. And they say, I, I can't anymore. But you that, know, that, people that connected to the band that even but say they can't. You said family but members. There's there's people close to the band is is the best way I can say that that support them and know them personally that say they can't be involved with or know about or follow or listen to the band 
any part of the band's any song anymore. But, it's, but it's that's un, what I'm saying. It's, it's, I, unbear, I, it's unbearable. But, to, but so the art worked then. It actually moved people to have a reaction, which is what art is supposed to do. You're supposed to, when artists create it and then you view it or hear it or whatever it is, then you are supposed to have a real raw emotional reaction to it. So it worked. And so those people, yeah. I, although I even think it's wrong, they should have to at least think, wait a minute, a song made me feel this way. Where I'm not going to associate with the whole band anymore. It's so that's amazing. easy not to listen to songs is my that's, main point. That's me 25 years ago. <laughs> I mean, for sure. I understand. And, and anyway, it, it is what it is. So you know, it just. But I think it's. I mean, I'm I'm kind of optimistic about it because I think the amount of people that clearly get how silly it is. It, well, it's not stupid. It's not mean. It's not the worst thing in the world. It's just so silly. It's so Matt, just so obvious how silly this this christian culture is right Matt, real quick yeah, i hope it's I, obvious i know we got to move on here but what's chad's emotions like is there part of him that's disheartened part of him that's like yeah i did the right thing part of him that's just like yeah, F yeah. everybody or i've talked to him i'm not speaking for him because he's still got to figure yeah. out I, you know i don't know if he's getting paid or or if it's I, he doesn't want to try and talk anything bad about the festival he didn't tell me to say anything bad i'm not authorized yeah. to say anything i'm saying i'm just speculating and speaking from my point of view yeah. um and maybe I could talk to somebody at the festival and everything's fine or it would be clear or I, I don't know. So I'm not speaking for other people, but Chad seems to be very, very happy that his fans get it, yeah. that you get it. Yeah. Well, you don't get it, but you get it. And um, that people are going to support them and understand they can't play this festival anymore. So when they come play at a bar, they're going to go. Yeah. You know what I mean? That, yeah. That's the effect this is going to have. I think, and I think Chad maybe understands that he's not mad. He's not trying to fight to get on the festival. He's like, wow, how silly. Um, I think hopefully our fans will see what our integrity is. That's not his words. Those are mine. Hopefully the integrity shines through of who they are artistically. And that yeah. I believe that'll pay off. So I yeah. actually think it's a good thing for the band long-term and a bad thing for the festival. Yeah. Too bad, too bad for them. And I don't hate them and I'll play there next year. Gladly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, Hey, in fact, since Kings K, y'all probably have an open. Hey, he's got an open year. spot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Emory can hop on a plane immediately. <laughs> Matt, what if that was your whole plan? You encouraged him to say that f word, clearing so out the space. Could... You won't believe the text I got from John Foreman this week. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, let's take a break here, and we'll be back. We'll have we have Trey Pearson from Everyday Sunday on, and. Boy, has he got a story that infuriates uh, the, the evangelicals. <laughs> yeah. Everybody's even madder on this one, Yeah, guys. He, he's definitely not playing at Creation Festival. So we'll take a, a quick break here. Um, I'll pee. You do a couple ads. I'm going to get Trey on Skype. Now that we're doing the thing live here, I've got to yeah. literally dial him in as we go. So if you see the Skype screen move or the numbers go, whatever, we're going to figure that out. And uh, by the way, let me take one quick second and say this is our new format. We're doing this show live every week. The time is 6 o'clock. Pacific, 9 o'clock Eastern. We're going to be here every week on Facebook doing the show on video and live with guests. We're going to have some in studio. Um, we're going to keep the schedule as regular as we can. We're going to, we got a production team uh, involved. It's a real thing. And we're going to try and grow the show this way. So please continue to support us as you have. And uh, we may not do two episodes a week anymore. So we're going to put more into this episode, try and do a better job, get it on video. And we'll do... Extra stuff, bonus stuff for the BC Club, and extra episodes when we can. We're going to focus on this broadcast, just by the way, for the y'all have been watching the last three weeks. Oh, yeah. It's working. We like it. All right. We'll be right back. All right. So word on the street is that 
Christian culture. I'm gonna go so far as to say it's hobbling a little bit. Like it's got a little, it's got a little limp. Their Christian culture is good at collecting the Christians and celebrating Christian stuff. It's not that good with just kind of being real and being something that the world can be like, oh yeah, I dig that. I did that. So I would like to say that I think bad Christian is a tiny part of what we would say is change changes are coming. I think change is happening. And there's more change to come. And I think we're a little tiny part of that by just the three of us talking a little bit. Yeah, we're but trying we'll, to be the train change, right? That's right. We're trying to be it. We're trying to be it. Wow. Anyway, here's what's really cool is some of you have been listening to this podcast for a long time. And some of you have actually been a part of this podcast by giving and con- contributing actually with your money. And I'll just say that in my experience, when I have been involved in a church like Seacoast, I feel more involved and more part when I'm actually giving money towards the cause that they're doing. Now, the big difference is we're not a church. It's not like we think this is nonprofit, unbelievable cause that we're trying to, uh, you know, walk through. But I will say that people that give money, we've heard it before. We've, we've gotten the emails. They do feel like they get to be a part of what we're doing. So throwing this out there to all of you who listen regularly and get what we're doing, understand what we're saying. Take an, take an extra step and just say, hey, I want to be a part of what these guys are doing. I want to be a small part of change and, and stuff that I think needs to be changed. And let me just read a few names of people that have just recently signed on to the BC Club. And that's Corbin Ferry, Tyler Duke, Ray Pitch, Ta- uh, David Taylor, Austin Lale, Jimmy Svan, Josh Morton, Christopher Lamelier. That's a French name, Lamelier. Caitlin Honeycutt, John Rosecrans, David Shea, Michael Pollock. Thank you, guys. So anybody else that wants to contribute, and I say, if you're watching right now, go do this, son of a bitch, right now. Badchristian.com forward slash contribute. Join the BC Club. We sure would appreciate it. Toby needs to feed his family. I love how we get the pastor to ask for money. That's like my (laughs) favorite part of this podcast, that we actually use your skills. Like, that's... (laughs) I mean, as a pastor, do you think that asking for money is like maybe top tier of your skills? I don't like, think I'm that, good did, at no. Did that, uh, no. You just did. You, you God, did it. No. You did great I, just then. I did. I actually. No, I, now I you're actually doing this. Now you're even still doing great. You're like, no, I'm not good at that. Oh my god, I'm not good. I actually, at asking I for actually money. just got a uh, text from our club direct uh, director Taylor Atkins. He said, "Good job, Joy." No, I don't think I'm good at it at all. I felt very awkward. You're a pastor. A, I felt I mean, ashamed. It'd be like, I felt hurt. I felt dismayed. No, you are a pastor. That's the same. If if you were an NFL quarterback, would that mean you're a good you're a good quarterback in the world? Yes, no matter what. So you are good at it. Now, here's the question, Joey. What if you said money, but what if people want to contribute other stuff? Like what if, what if they want to send cookies or cakes? Or well, is it like, can the, they do send that? Those, send those cookies to Toby because nope. Lord knows Fat Boy needs some cookies. Um, but as far as contributing other ways, I think you've got a way. People shop. Damn it, they shop and women can I, be shop. Can I do it? What? Can I do this ad? I'm passing you, the baton to you. Yeah, let's move no, on. You're right trying here. to take over. All right, listen, if you don't have any money for us, but you do have money to shop, do some shopping, one way, we don't ever talk about this. So we're like, why don't we do this? Because this is a uh, free way for you to support the podcast. All you have to do is go to uh, badchristianmedia.com and then it's forward slash badchristian-podcast. But basically, go to badchristianmedia.com badchristian.com, and uh, go to the Bad Christian Podcast page. At the bottom right, you'll see Shop Amazon. Click on that link, and we'll get a little kickback. 
and it really helps us a lot. You can uh, bookmark this uh, that site, put it on there whenever you're like, oh, man, I need to get some baby wipes or, uh, you know, dude wipes, whatever it is. <laughs> click on that click on that Amazon link, and we'll get a little bit of kickback, and it really does help us a lot for sure. And uh, with that being said, yeah, I, I, I am uh, solo employed, self-employed right now, and I've been working my tail off, but it is crazy. It's very scary. So all these little things uh, really do add up and help. So we really do appreciate everything you guys are doing. And, uh, yeah, so thank you guys so much. Joey, great job. See what I did? I mean, if you would have said the Amazon thing, 100,000 people would have already <laughs> sh- bought something on Amazon. I do it, and there's, like, one guy going, hey, yeah, okay. So please do that. Go to badchristian.com. Go to the Bad Christian Podcast page and click on that link at the bottom right. Bookmark that page. Trey, thank you for joining the show. Yeah. Oh, so glad to be here. Nice to meet you. All right, so let me catch y'all up. I talked to Trey um, probably the day, how a day or two after the news broke. Is that right, Trey? Yeah, yeah. So the story broke the last day of May, and uh, I think we talked, you know, that that in that next day or two. So the first day or two of June. And I wanted to get Trey on the show to talk about the breaking news, which we'll get to in a second. <laughs> But we didn't get him on. I was going to do a live broadcast with him right away because I wanted to be on top of it. But instead of doing our show, Trey got on an airplane and flew to New York and went on CNN, and he was on The View the next day. So whatever. It was a tough call. I wasn't sure which one to pick. But Okay, so the, the news that broke and the story that we're talking about, I'll, I'll let you tell it, Trey. What was the, what was the breaking story there? Uh, yeah, so um, uh, just a couple of months ago, I decided to go ahead and come out of the closet to my fans. And uh, this was after coming out of the closet this last year to my, uh, to my family and slowly coming out to family and friends over uh, the, you know, the past, I don't know, probably the, the six or seven months leading up to that. Coming out as a Trump supporter? Uh, <laughs> well... <laughs> Close. Uh, Close. (laughs) uh, Coming out of the closet. And uh, yeah, so there you go. No, um, I, you know, it's, it was a big story and, and, and a crazy thing indeed. So, uh, especially so because you are the front man of a Christian band called Everyday Sunday. How long have you been doing that? Uh, full time 14 years. (laughs) So you've been a, front man of a Christian band for 14 years. Have you been gay the whole time? Uh, well, I, uh, I've had, you know, I, I believe that, you know, I believe I was definitely born this way. So I suppose I've been gay the whole time, but it's not something that I ever accepted for myself until this last year. So you, but, but I mean, I mean that that question sounds bold, but you know, nine years ago when you were playing a show in, in Toledo, yeah. did you know you were a gay person? I knew that I had attractions to other guys, but uh, it was something that I suppressed my whole life. I grew up in a super conservative, fundamentalist Christian home that taught me I could choose to be straight. Uh, the church that I you know, grew up, the youth group I grew up in, um, God hated gay people. God hated homosexuality. Uh, and uh, you were going to burn in hell if you were gay. And uh, I knew uh, how I would be looked at differently if I ever chose to go down that path for myself. And so it's something that I never really allowed to be an option. I, uh, I never, um, hooked up with guys. I never tried to hook up with guys, but I always knew that I had those attractions and it's something that, uh, 
was always very difficult for me. I uh, had a couple serious girlfriends um, in high school and as a young adult, I got married to a girl <laughs> and uh, I, I had two kids with her. We were married for seven and a half years and uh, through a lot of heartache and a lot of uh, pain, I finally came to this place this last fall where I decided that I needed to get help. And so um, I reached out to uh, an affirming pastor friend of mine and uh, uh, ended up getting with a counselor and uh, eventually uh, wrote a letter to my wife and uh, just kind of told her um, everything that I had felt since I was a kid and all the hardships. She didn't know or see it coming? You know, um, I don't know. I... Uh, I think it was one of those taboo things that we just never really talked about, even though we struggled in that area, our whole marriage. Um, we never uh, talked about that. I think one time in our whole marriage, I think uh, there was tension there because of how much I failed in that department. And uh, I think she, you know, in an argument, she asked if I was gay and I just was, you know, hurt and uh, like, uh, and just said no. And uh and at that time, I, I didn't want to admit that I was or didn't, uh, wouldn't allow myself to think that I was, you know, I, even though I knew I had those attractions, I did not want to be gay. You know, I wanted to be everything she needed me to be. I had to be painful. My gosh. I mean, especially because I'm sure, like you said, your sex life had been affected that whole time. And, and that had to be hurtful to her, too. And I'm sure you wanted to do anything to change. So it sounds like, I mean, you, you totally consider your, I mean, uh, I know a lot of people who not only come out of the closet, but they also say, yes, and the church has nothing for me. They don't love me. So I'm turning my back on the church. You sought counsel from a pastor. So that's not your case at all. You consider yourself a Christian, part of the church and all that. Yep. So how are you like, okay, obviously you and your wife are no longer together. So what Correct. Yes. Yeah. I mean, are you reconciling that, or are you just thinking it's better to be apart? Or uh, oh, well, reconciling in the sense that I, uh, I mean, I love her as much as I always have, and uh, I want to be close to her as much as I always have. And uh, you know, she's my she's my best friend, so um, I want. She's to... your best friend now. Like as of now, she's your best friend that you talk to and are, are on good terms with. Um. Sometimes, uh, I think, uh, you gotta understand, uh, well, you can't put words in her mouth, but she's, she's hot, unbelievably affected by this too. Honestly, yeah, of right? course. And it's yeah. been extremely hard on both of us. And, uh, um, I realized that trying to, um, uh, be straight, putting all my faith into believing that it would just all magically work on my wedding night and, uh, all those things, trying to continually be something that I, finally had to come to the realization that I would never be what she needed me to be. Um, I, uh, I finally came to a place, uh, where I was able to admit this to myself and then to her and to my family. And, uh, and so she, I mean, considering the circumstances, she's been really wonderful. It doesn't mean she hasn't been hurt and deeply affected because she has. And, uh, um, but I, you know, I know that, uh, I know that deep down she loves me and uh, we're both going through different stages of grief and some weeks are better than others. Some days are better than others, but uh, we're both really trying hard. Um, How old are your kids? 
yeah, my daughter's six and my son is two and a half. He'll be three in September. We share them 50, 50. Uh, we're, uh, both trying to get healthy for ourselves so we can be healthy yeah. for them and healthy for each other. And, um, I mean, we're never going to be married again. And our, you know, our daughter understands that she's going to have two loving homes now instead of one. And that's never easy. And, uh, at the same time, as hard as all that is, I realize that, uh, as much as a lot of this sucks, as much as, uh, sometimes I cry my eyes out because I'm just now finally experiencing this freedom that I've never experienced my whole life, this, uh, weight that's been lifted from me that I've been carrying my whole life. Uh, I realized I wouldn't have my kids and I wouldn't have the friendship that I've had with her. That's if really I had, confusing. And I've done this. It, yeah, it's tough. I mean, that's so. really confusing on a lot of levels because yeah. if you're gay and you didn't marry your wife, you wouldn't have your kids. And, right. and you're glad yeah. that you do, right? So of course. are you, it wasn't a mistake to get married to a woman? Or, or, or I guess I'm, I got all kind of questions. Like, well, you going who, off theological? No, I'm man. no, I'm not even trying to go there. I'm just saying I have a couple of questions. Like, do you wish you hadn't got married? And is there somebody to blame here? I think. I mean, I think there's a lot of layers to that. You know, like I wouldn't, I wouldn't change all the heartache I've been through for my kids. You know, and I don't think anybody would in any situation. Uh, that's been through tough, shitty situations. But with that said, um, I also don't want to have to see other people go through what I've gone through. And that's why um, just realizing how hard it's been for me, how, uh, how much I've hurt uh, my wife, how much I've hurt, uh, you know, everybody that's been affected by this. Do you, did you hurt her? Is it your fault? Like you, you're saying that, like I hurt my wife. You, did you do wrong by her by this? Again, that's I think that's a lot of levels. I uh, I didn't intentionally hurt her, but I still hurt her. You know. Okay. Um, so it's like you're owning that. Yeah, of course. Yeah. My parents didn't intentionally hurt me by teaching me that God hated homosexuality. The church doesn't, and just like you were saying about the Christian music festival. Yes. Yeah. Um, which. I also get what Matt's saying. I don't necessarily agree that they all actually have that moral conviction about bad words or anything or drinking or any of those things. I think a lot of those are business decisions. But in this case of, um, you know, homosexuality within the church, even though I think it's extremely misguided and I think it's hurting millions of people and it's hurt millions of people through history, uh, I think it has to change. And I want to be a voice to help see that change. But at the same time, I don't think they're intentionally trying to screw up people's lives. But at the same time, I still think that teaching screwed up my life and, and, and unintentionally my wife's life as well. And in the midst of that screw up, we got two beautiful children and we wouldn't change that. And uh, so, of course, there's so many mixed layers. But at the same time, would I want to keep anybody from having to go through the hell that I've gone through? Of course. Um, and then even being where I am now, and seeing how much it's affected me with a lot of people that I'm very close to uh, that uh, still continue to choose to judge me for who I am, that uh, that all those fears that come true when you actually do admit your truth, well, you know, um, talk about being honest about what song you listen to, try being honest about your sexuality, and then see how you're loved after that by the people closest to you. And uh, and then all those fears that you had as a young man, as a as a boy, as a uh, your entire life when all those fears come true because all of a sudden you're looked at differently by people that are supposed to love you unconditionally. 
I would do anything I could to be a voice to help other people to keep from going through that. Where the church fails too, I think, even if you take even the homosexuality issue out of it, just regular, uh, regular. Yeah. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> if you take, uh, sorry, that, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that's where my brain's at. Right. Sorry. If you take <laughs> heterosexual couples, like normal, uh, normal yeah, yeah, people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I'm, I've blown it. But what I was going to say is, I think that the church literally does push everybody too quickly. Maybe into marriage, like marriage is held in such high regard. I've sat in so many churches where they say, "You got to get married. You got to get married." Do you think the church was like, "Hey, you're a young man. You got to get married. You're in a ba- you're in a band. You know, get married, man, because you're gonna, you're not going to do it." You know, I know so many couples that I've talked to that wish to that they just felt like, oh, we have to get married. Everybody thinks we should. And so you just do it because that's what you're supposed to do without a lot of thought in, in what else it could mean. Do, do you feel like maybe part of part of getting married was some of that pressure the church put on you? I don't know. Um, not, I mean, not for me. I do see people go through that. Um, uh, I always wanted to know what it was like to fall in love, to uh, have a family, and um, to you know, for somebody that was choosing to put their faith into believing that, um, that I could, that I was straight and that these other feelings that I had weren't from God, that they were things that, um, maybe all kinds of guys struggle with this and just don't talk about it. You know, like maybe, maybe that's just, this is what it's supposed to feel like to be in love. Cause I did love Lauren with all my heart, you know, like she really felt like my best friend. I don't think we ever even argued until like a few weeks before our marriage. And we dated for like two and a half years. And, uh, but there's also that never that temptation with that, uh, you know, the sexual tension, there was never like the, any of that there. And so like, I think I do get what you're saying, but like, I don't think that was necessarily it for me. It was just like, I thought maybe this is what it's supposed to feel like. And maybe, and, and hopefully fingers crossed, I'm putting all my faith into this. It's all just going to work when I get him into the bed on my wedding night, you know? And, uh, and, uh, it wasn't that easy. And I realized very quickly, uh, into that, um, where my mind would have to go to be able to try to be what she needed me to be. And, uh, it it constantly, um, felt like, uh, between a rock and a hard place on like what, what to do and, and how to be what she needed me to be. And so I don't, I don't know. I just thought that was how it was supposed to feel. And uh, I was just going to say, I mean, there's so many things to learn, so many things to uh, observe. And, and one thing from a, a pastor's perspective is, I mean, that one thing that can we can easily overlook is the pastor that you sought out. How did he address the divorce element? I mean, because obviously we know uh, that, OK, if, if there's marital unfaithfulness, that's grounds for divorce. Or if someone's not willing to be married to you anymore, you're not on lockdown. You know, you can. So would in, in his words, would he say, hey, this is another exception to the rule when it comes to, you know, God not liking divorce? I, I mean, I, I'm not sure. That, I don't think I ever talked to the pastor specifically about that. Uh, you know, when okay. I started working with the counselor uh, and honestly, like, you know, I've progressed a lot in my faith over the years. Uh, uh, I do believe God hates divorce. And, uh, I do believe, you know, like the, rec- what, however it was recorded of Jesus saying that he hated divorce. I, uh, I think that's probably true. It's terrible. I see the effects of it all the time. I've seen it, hmm. uh, around with people all around me, but, uh, I'm also, um, 
you know, I'm not too caught up in like, oh, what's the rule book say? Like, yeah. uh, I just don't see the Bible that way. Yeah. Uh, Let me take a crack at it now. I mean, and this isn't something I've thought before, but from your point of view, it seems like perhaps um, you would say that 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 divorce is bad or God doesn't like or hates divorce. Sure. However, of course, the precipitating causes of this divorce are not solely just your shitty decision making. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like he hates it and he's angry at and I'm trying to say this from your point of view. I'm not even sure if it's mine or not. I don't I don't even know. <laughs> but maybe you could say, Trey, that God hates divorce and is mad at the church and the Christian music industry and you and a lot of people about your divorce. Uh, you know, I don't think I look at it quite that way. I think uh God hates divorce in general, but I think God's also very uh gracious and understanding and uh and God probably hates all the things that uh the systems, the uh religious religiosity of um my point being that the call, the, the causes of this divorce are not singular. The the cause of this divorce isn't Trey decided to leave his wife. That's that's right. my point. I'm saying it's more it's just it is more complicated than that. We can Honestly, I hope yeah. people can see. Honestly, I know like a lot of people have like uh said online how how dare you uh, abandon your family and, and things like that. And honestly, I, uh, I just didn't, um, I, uh, came to a place where I got honest with who I am and I got honest about this with myself and with my family and with my wife. And at that point, um, I sort of, uh, uh, I sort of put it in her hands and just said, Hey, like, uh, I don't take these vows. Uh, you know, I, I, I do take them very seriously. And, uh, if you wanted me to stay for the rest of my life, I would do that. And, but I also realized that might not be fair to you. And, uh, and, 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 and so I, uh, it hurts. I know how much it hurts, but it was like, either way hurts what is the best thing to get healthy for ourselves and for our kids? And that's really what it became about. Like neither situation was good, you know, like, uh, Oh, well, do I stay with, with with my gay husband? Because, uh, I think God hates divorce and that's what I think the law is saying. And somehow believe this Bible that, you know, like somehow I just, I don't look at the Bible that way. I don't think, uh, I don't think, you know, my, wife, ex-wife, whatever. We haven't signed the papers yet, but you know what I'm saying? Uh, I don't think so she you, looked at it that way. Tough and, stuff, uh, man. I don't sure. think, I don't think really that's, that's even, uh, what it comes down to at this point. I think it's how do we, uh, continue to try to in recognizing it where we are and all the crazy situations that got us to where we are in uh, growing up in the kind of homes that we did and, uh, me believing what I believed, uh, about my faith and about God and the Bible. And, um, you know, all that stuff. Um, I just don't think, uh, I don't think it was about, oh, well, what's the rule book say? And I don't think we should ever look at our faith like that. And I, I would assume that's a lot of what this podcast stands for. That's not what uh, trying to put your faith in God or uh, Jesus is following Christ. I don't think that's what that's about. So, well, I, lo- I love what you said as far as like, you don't even feel like, like people said, how dare you abandon her? And you said you were honest. And like, I, I mean, I would hope this is the case, but it's not. But wouldn't we all agree as Christians, non-Christians, everybody that you made the, the right 
first step in being honest. I mean, who in their right mind would think people would rather you not like they'd rather you be quiet about it. They'd rather you just pretend it's not there. Um, struggle with whatever you're struggling. Keep it taboo. Keep it hushed up, which is horrible for everybody. Of course. But that's the way the church handles a lot of life. Can we talk about, let's, uh, if we can, let's, let's talk about your career. And then, you know, we were discussing earlier, the music industry, I'm not trying to continually or further point them in a negative light, the industry that I'm certainly a part of and have benefited from, but, how about that whole phase of it? This is your, your profession is, is very affected too, not just your personal relationships. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I, uh, I tried not to think too much about that when it came to making, uh, any decisions about this for me. I really just wanted to focus on, um, focus on a story of restoration of, forgiveness of hope of truth and uh of grace and um so i you know i tried to keep that in mind in all all the ways i tried to make decisions uh with uh how to do any of this and uh you know um i I was very fortunate as i was going through this to have uh you know have rob bell uh kind of there for me as a mentor and another guy trip fuller who uh does another podcast called homebrewed Christianity and uh, just very grateful for those pastors to be in my life to really kind of help me through this. But uh, that was one big thing Rob just sort of encouraged me to focus on as I made all my decisions was like, you know, um, as you're talking to people about this, as you're sharing your story, as you're thinking about, Oh, how is this going to affect me? Uh, what What's the most important thing here? And I realized like for me, uh, if I would have had somebody that I looked up to, especially in the Christian music industry, being so like impacted by uh, this industry in high school, if I would have had somebody come out and tell their truth and sh- share their experience, I think about how much that could have uh, saved me a lot of heartache, how that could have changed my life. And I think if I have the chance to do that for other people, that's really what I've just wanted to focus on. And so obviously with that said, I have no idea uh, what that means for the future. I've had a lot of people from the industry reach out to me and tell me how proud of me they are. I do. I, even some younger people at radio stations and, uh, even owners of some of the festivals that we, we all are talking about. You're not playing any more Christian festivals though. Uh, well, yeah, I've been invited back to uh, Joshua fest, which I know you guys are going to be at this fall. And so there's, there's some festivals like that. Honestly, all the Festival promoters over in Europe that I play have been super encouraging, and uh, and and it sounds like they're all interested in having me back. Now, the the majority of the bigger ones here, which all happen to be shrinking anyway, uh, in the U.S. Um, no, right now I don't I don't see any like uh, uh, I I think most of them you will can't not find be. your next record in a Christian bookstore, right? No, no Dove Award nomination. No Dove Award. <laughs> Probably not. No. But uh, you know. I, I haven't been worried about that for a while. Even will be- you be the first person that, that maybe played play, played Christian festivals? And didn't you just recently play a LGBT rally or a gay pride parade uh, or something? Tell us about that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I uh, headlined the Columbus Pride Festival uh, here a few weeks after uh, the story came out, and then uh, just two weekends ago, I did the uh, San Diego Pride Festival with Kesha and. Uh, um, I, uh, have been a part of, uh, several of those things, but I just did another progressive Christian festival in North Carolina called wild goose festival, which, uh, you guys should definitely check out. It's a, 
it's an amazing community that's continuing to grow. I know Gunger has been there, Crowder, Jars of Clay, yeah. and several artists that are willing to wear their, uh, you know, the truth of their faith out on their sleeves and and things like that. So um, I don't know. I, I think uh, for me, uh, I left my Christian record label a few years ago, uh, and I did an independent release as Everyday Sunday since then, which I've made the most money in my whole career doing that. And uh, I also did a side project called Populous uh, last year. And uh, so um, I honestly, like, same things you guys were saying. Uh, you talked about 18 to, what, 40-year-olds or something like that. Females. I think, uh, yeah, well, yeah, exactly. Becky is what they like to call Becky, her. Becky, that's and, exactly right. <laughs> You know, in an ideal world, she's 32 to 34. And um, it's weird, you know, in the Christian music industry, their big focus is uh, the mom. It's the, it, it really, even the 18 to 27 year old the top 40 goes for is not the majority of the market in the Christian music industry. It's not really until the uh, late 20s to early 40s. And that number keeps getting pushed older because they keep losing listeners. Well, no, younger and people aren't going to be that way. Yeah, younger so people like, like what, what they like. They don't like what's piped to them by the safe radio station. Yeah, and that's kind of always been what's made music for these uh, labels. Uh, it's what always did in the even in the seventies and eighties until DC Talk came along, and then uh, that only worked for so long. And they all started giving up on that, and all of a sudden the worship thing blew up, and they're like, "Oh, this can work right in with our adult contemporary thing." And that's really uh, their focus. And I don't mind like thinking, oh, you know, like I should make adult contemporary music to blow up, you know, like uh, just no nobody does that, except that's exactly what they want you to do in the Christian music industry. And uh, I know that for an absolute fact. You know, that's so. a weird thing. I haven't thought about that before, but adult contemporary music has never been made as a genre. It's exactly. been that people yeah. made music and then a decade or two later, they used it as adult contemporary, like yeah. 80s well, music that was crazy and intense and weird, fruity people making it later becomes adult contemporary and even what you'll find on adult contemporary music today who is it well it's bruno mars or it's justin timberlake or it's uh lady gaga or it's whatever but it's their songs that uh happen to fit the adult contemporary format when it's already being made for everybody or for whatever their regular intended audience is and so yeah nobody really just steps into that genre and is like oh that's who i want to be but that's exactly what they expect you to do in the christian music industry and uh when the you know those were things that i think we always fought against as a band and i'm i'm sure you know even in your guys project you were talking about never really wanted anything to do with because that has nothing to do with trying to create good art and uh art that hopefully glorifies God and, and, uh, trying to do the best you can as an artist. And so, um, anyway, how, how has, how has coming out changed the way you're going to create music now? And do you, will you, do you think you'll still be considered a, in Christian music, a Christian band? No, he's gay music now. <laughs> um, is that a genre yeah it's ba- you know based on your, what you i mean it's as silly as right. christian music being a yeah, genre right yeah I, ne- I never really enjoyed uh well as i quickly into being in this industry i came to a place of really uh questioning uh why christian was used as an adjective to describe something other than a person and uh and being a part of a Christian music industry, like, uh, always brought a lot of inner conflict. And I never, you know, 
as I got further into the industry, I, I didn't like being called a Christian band, even though I very well knew I was on a faith-based label. And I knew that I wanted to write songs about my faith. And I love the idea of people coming together to say, hey, let's uh, take songs about our faith and try and make an impact uh, together. And that's what this industry is in its best sense. And in the worst sense, it's this thing that we use uh, to try to convince people to buy what it is because of the Christian label. And, uh, yeah. and, and it's very easy to get caught up in those things and in the money aspect. Mm-hmm. And so uh, that was a lot of the reason that I, I uh, didn't want to uh, continue down the path of being on a Christian record label uh, when I sort of left that a few years ago anyway. But with that said, I don't think any aspect of my writing will change as far as writing about my faith. Uh, the only difference I would say now is just that I feel like there's this whole part of me that I've been able to, uh, in every sense of being freed and being able to uh, express it and think about it, uh, I think that's going to hopefully come through in my art. And I'm sure um, it's allowed me to be able to write about a lot more that I haven't written about before. So uh, hopefully that'll well, through in what I write about. I appreciate that, Trey. We're going to have to, uh, I mean, if, sorry, I don't mean to interrupt you guys, but we got to go in a second. Last question here. Yeah. How about your bandmates? Are Are any of them taken back or like did any of them resent this coming out uh yeah um i think what i'll say about that is just that everyday sunday's always been my project since i was 16 so screw those guys no i've always had different guys play with me over the years and so uh a lot of the people that have played with me over the years have reached out to me and big support and uh, uh i'm very close to a lot of those people um and so i'm grateful for them well trey you're gonna find support for sure and you're gonna find hate for sure and yeah i I would i would advise you as i would you know as i try to navigate the same type of problem myself is i mean if you want to find an echo chamber of everybody tell you every single thing you do is great and is right you can find it And if you want to find people that tell you're the worst person you can find it and that 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 puts us in a difficult dilemma in this day and age so good luck to you navigating that i can't even imagine how intense it must be for you uh compared to what it would be for somebody like me so i i I appreciate the bravery and um i wish you the best of luck in navigating all your personal and professional stuff it sounds like it sounds like a mess and uh i think it's (laughs) good that i think it is certainly helpful for other people to hear about about the mess yeah, for sure. And just so y'all know, his new single is called I Kissed a Boy, and it's blowing up the it's charts. It's blowing up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thanks, guys. All right, we'll talk to you soon, Trey. All right, thanks, thanks take care. Trey Pearson, sound effects. Woo! Yeah! Now, yeah. that, yeah. I mean, it could still be screwed up, but I'm going to tell you, for being a live episode, this shit has been pretty smooth. We dialed him Hell in. Yeah. It sounded good. He came out. Our first half of the episode. Wait, he just rocking. came out? Y'all, good, he's y'all a great did good guest. on the ads. Great guest. Good guest. I'm feeling pretty good about this week, fellas. Now, barbecue, 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 barbecue. Astrophysics, chemistry, cellular biology, mathematics, gravitation, electromagnetism. Evolution. And now it's time for science lessons for Christians. Because when it comes to science, Christians are stupid. Okay, so what I want to talk about, barbecue. Science is for. What did I forget? Go ahead. Uh, 
when it comes to science, Christians, Christians are, stupid. are stupid. But let me say that as it comes to barbecue, Christians are amazing. And in fact, the best barbecue I ever had yeah. came from Josh in, uh, what's Josh Drulard from in Oregon that made us that oh, chicken yes. on his pellet smoker. Oh, yeah. One of the best, the best barbecue I've, I've almost ever had came from a Christian. If, if Christians would treat gays the way they do their it, meat, it's unbelievable. <laughs> it would, it would change the world. So, so Christians true. are not great at science in general, but when it comes to barbecue and the processes that go there, they're actually pretty good. You're Ooh. in good company with Christians and barbecue. So, what I wanted to address this week is we talked about meat and we talked about heat. This week we're going to talk about myths in barbecue. So, you know, barbecue is something that's been around for literally forever i mean that you know people say that the barbecue when it uh, when i think of as barbecue let's say pulled pork a, a pig probably died in a forest fire sometime in a prehistoric times and then slow cooked sitting next to a flame and somebody walked by and smelled it so barbecue has been around forever and been improved and stuff so you can't imagine how much folklore wives tales uh you know, just kind of conventional wisdom that's in there that, that and myths in barbecue that, that are not accurate that we do have now with science that can help you stop wasting time or at least know what you're doing in barbecue. There's been, we, we've got, it's, it's rife with myths. So I'm going to just go through a couple of them real quickly. I've got a bunch of them, but I will not waste everybody's time too much tonight. Um, number one is, you know how people always say about meat that, oh, you know, when you talk about the meat and the juices, we'll start there. People always just say that that meat, that juice is blood. Have you heard that, or are you under that yeah. impression? When yeah. it's red, yes. Yeah, so, so you're under the impression that the juices that come out of meat and the juices that are on that meat are blood. Well, they're not blood. That's not true. When the animal is, is uh, slaughtered, they drain the blood thoroughly. There isn't blood left. All the blood veins are empty. Everything is empty. Um, there's, of course, traces and capillaries and stuff like that, but that red liquid, is called myo water, and it's filled with a protein called myoglobin. And it happens to be red or even darker than red in a lot of cases, but it, it, it's not blood. That's not what the liquid that is inside of meat that you buy at the steakhouse, I mean, at the grocery store and bring home to grill. That isn't blood that you're talking about. Interesting. That is a myth, man. Good Lord. Yeah. And so related to that, I'm kind of pissed about that. And I'm moving right through tonight. But the, the, the other thing about that juice is another crazy thing about that is people like to say and i can see where they would get this that when they when you cook something they want you to sear they said a lot of recipes will call for you to sear it first and then cook it slow cook it or put it in the oven but before you've got to sear it first to what do they say why do you sear it first because you want to collect all those juices and all right, those to seal in the juices right. well that's a myth yeah. too so let's just Damn. let's just think about it from the the perspective it's of been lies. just like your body is is seventy percent water or something like that, right? Yeah. So so and is, watermelons are even more. R- watermelons are more. You're right. I, I don't know anything about grilled watermelons, but meat's about seventy so percent water, and that much of that <laughs> much of that water is is locked into like thousands of thin muscle fibers, um, and so when you heat that meat, inevitably it squeezes out some of the juice and the juices drip off during cooking or evaporate or fall down the coals heat and, that meat is what priscilla says to me when we're mm-hmm. having sex but you but when you when you look at it the reason the surface of that crusty uh, is crusty on there and you, you feel it sizzle when you're flipping the meat or you press it down there is in, inevitably moisture that comes out there but it is a the moisture comes out of the meat <laughs> sear the meat the juices come out of the meat <laughs> That's what J- Priscilla tells you, Joe. Eat the meat. 
heat the meat or beat the meat? What did you say? I think Matt said heat the meat. I said heat I thought the Matt meat. said be- no. I th- I'm pretty sure you said beat the meat. <laughs> I could have misspoke. Barbecue stands for beat, beat, and then quit. Quick, quit. <laughs> beat, beat, quick. Beat it, bit it, quit it. The moisture does come out of the meat, but it's a very, very small amount. Like it, it uh, if you think of that, most of the whole weight of the whole steak you're cooking is water. Then you realize it's not like it shrinks a ton or, or uh, these all these juices flow out or anything like that. In fact, Alton Brown did uh, did some experiments in 2008, and what he found out was if the the a steak a steak that was cooked without searing at all lost 13 percent of its weight and then a seared steak lost 19 percent of its weight which just means that at the very surface of the steak when it's searing more water comes out but it's a very small amount either way and of course it's still worth it to sear your steak because the caramelization and the mayored reaction that happens to make it crusty that's almost even a good thing. So well, there's, no, also, there's no truth to the matter that you need to sear the steak to seal in the juices. They're all locked into cell walls and muscle fibers all through. But the it meat. also seals in the seasonings too, right? I mean, otherwise that stuff will fall off. I'm being serious. Like if you put salt and pepper on the meat and then you sear it, all that stuff is just seared to it, right? Isn't that one of the reasons? Yeah, why but if you it? if you were cooking it on the indirect heat side of your grill and then seared at the end, which is what I recommend, it's called reverse searing sear it at the end you can cook it up to temperature that you want let's say you want it to be at 135 you cook yeah. it to 125 with your thermometer and you go here we go then you put at the very end you put it on the hot coals and get the outside charred and that is what i believe to be the best way to to do it so that's another myth there's a whole bunch more i'll give you just two more i won't even spend time on them but um resting the meat afterwards i think the best way to cook a steak is to serve it right away resting it Myth. I won't go into the more science on that, but that one you can investigate it for yourself. I believe it might be a myth. Um, leaving the bone on when you cook, as if flavor jumps out of the bone into the meat. Also, not true. No way. I thought that was totally true. Wow. It's, it seems not to be the case. From the, the marrow doesn't like cook out or something. I well, I mean, that would have been. You know, the the thing about it is, uh, you know, the 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 meat between the bones, for instance, and ribs is loaded with uh connective tissue and gelatin and fat that's good but the bones themselves nothing comes through the bone into it so some of the stuff so you're telling me that when you, the bone is, is good so, so you were saying earlier you beat the meat and then you put the bone in yeah but that doesn't really make <laughs> anything happen that's right you got that right and the last thing is beer can chicken bone in bone out beer can doesn't chicken matter. seems to be a waste of a beer and i'm going to leave it at that i want to get to the news but that's another myth you can research for yourself I don't waste beers. You don't waste a beer by sticking it in the hole of a chicken. When you, you know what I'm talking about, a beer can you stuck right. thing on it. So it, I it just works didn't realize. Rose, but, you know. I didn't realize how sexual barbecue was. It's very, very sexual. I'm, the, I'm extremely sexual turned on by this science segment. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and that is science for Christians. This, barbecue. Uh, this is Matt, you got me excited <laughs> for the news. Wow. All right, go to the news when you're ready. Let's kick it. In a world where your friend tells you to don't put the bone in, do not bone in, your meat is fine. That's exactly what a younger Virgil Svensson told a young Joseph Svensson 
Your bone is fine, my friend. <laughs> it's not going to change the flavor of the meat. This is Toby Morales, the damn news. Hey, my book's almost uh, finished. Okay. Shut up. Shut uh, up. I just Shut said that because. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> Shut your fucking mouth. My first news is actually really serious, and I kind of wanted to get y'all's take on this because I, I have, it seems like terrorist attacks literally happen every week and sometimes twice a week now, and I just saw this one today. I don't even care anymore. Fox News uh says that priest murdered during mass uh, shit, I in, heard about that. in terror attack in a, on, on a Catholic church in France. Uh, two knife-wielding attackers who had pledged allegiance to ISIS, shouting Allahu Akbar, slit the throat of an 86-year-old priest and critically wounded at least one other person during a Tuesday morning terror attack on a Catholic church near Normandy. Uh, city of Rowan, officials said. The terrorists who were later shot and killed by police forced priest Jacques Hamel to kneel before the before to kneel before they slaughtered him. And the Islamist attackers captured the bloody episode on film, according to a nun who escaped the assault. They forced him to his knees. He wanted to defend himself, and that's when the tragedy happened. They recorded themselves. They did it they did a sort of sermon around the altar in Arabic, and it's a horror. ISIS Amic News Agency said that the France attack was carried out by two Islamic State soldiers. Um, what I mean, this is uh, Jess. We were talking about this, and and my wife Jess, she made a, a comment about this. She said, "Don't you think this is probably just this has always happened? Why do you think we're talking about it more?" And I realize us dumbass Americans, it's happening here too now. But now we're realizing, wait a minute, you know, it, like if it if it wasn't happening, like killings and Terror has happened everywhere, but America has been so safe, especially like in my lifetime, yeah. uh, due to a lot of amazing soldiers and, and people who put their life on the line for me and for us that we don't talk about. But now it, it I'm seeing it more and more because it's relevant because it might happen here in Franklin tomorrow. You know what I mean? Like it, there's no escaping terror anywhere. And so I'm, I guess I'm wondering, is this like what is going to happen from here on out? Like, is, is there a real need for more safety? Is there a real need for, uh, like maybe like in this instance, like now you're seeing more is, it's kind of crazy. I've seen more and more, like there's been several knife attacks and a truck attack that happened in France and all that stuff. And, and immediately the right goes, well, what are you going to do? Outlaw trucks and knives now? What you too, you know, cause they, everybody makes it a gun issue or something besides the point. But I am really questioning, like, are y'all scared? Like, the, like it's, it's something going to happen, and you have to actually watch out for that now? You have no statistical reason to be afraid of you or your kids dying from terrorists. That's That doesn't mean I don't think it's horrible or, or a terrible problem. But it's not life is statistically not a threat. I know that's weird to say. It's scary. Um, and then here's right. another observation that doesn't fit well with everybody, and that's uh, you're noticing it more because of the media. Right. Outlets like the damn news, for instance. Well, no, but it's also happening here. Yeah, I that's mean, it's, that's super interesting. I think so, Toby. You're saying that we're paying more attention mm -hmm. to it, and it raises our eyebrows more because no. we feel susceptible. Well, let me right. Not it's right. not happening in France and in Israel and all. I mean, it's happening in those places. We wouldn't care, but it actually has happened here several it, times. It has, but like, but oh. but, it, but also Timothy McVeigh was a terrorist, and you know, there's all uh, Ted, right. Ted Kaczynski right. would be named as a terrorist. What I'm, my point is. There's always been random acts of people do this, that, or the other. Now, there's two things happening right now. One, you hear about everything in Syria. You would never seen that in the newspaper in 89. Yeah. It would have happened. You wouldn't right. have seen it. 
And then two, it's very sad and true to say, and I don't have a uh, any kind of solution for this, but if it were not for the media coverage, it would happen a shitload less because the power in the terrorism is the fear and the fear. Right. Yeah. So I, I if, think I if, agree with you. if you didn't cover it on the damn news, I mean, in a very real way, you're contributing to terrorism in, in, in a way yeah. like to, to, like, to cover it. like, have you ever been to a baseball game? I went to one last week before I passed out at a concert and at the con at the thing, a guy ch- jumps off, jumps out of the stands, runs across the field and is tackled by security. Did they show it on the replay? No. Did they show it on the TV broadcast? No, they don't show that. Why don't they show the streaker running across the baseball field on MLB network? or on TBS, or at an NBA game. Why don't they? Protect the younger viewers. No, that's not why. Tell me why. Not to give them attention so you don't attract more people. That's right. That's why you don't show a streaker running across a baseball field or a football game because that would give everybody else motivation to try to get that TV time. And that's the same with terrorism, except worse. I'm not saying they shouldn't cover it. I'm not saying it's not news. I'm not blaming CNN or Fox News or anybody. But and I'm certainly not blaming the damn news. Feeling a little offended. But we see more. We see more of it. We're scared of it more. And knowing that if I blow up this movie theater, even if it's not a domestic terrorist like James, the guy that shot up the place in Colorado or Columbine, any, any of that stuff, it's perpetuated by the fact that they know of the, the attention that is awaiting them for committing the act. Same as the streaker at the baseball game. I don't know about that. So our media contributes to it. I don't know about that. Just because of the religious motivation behind it, a lot of these terrorists believe that... ISIS is better at social media than you are. They get it. I understand that. What I'm saying is... They're planning on you sharing it with your friends. They strategize how to make something horrible for you to talk about and share to scare the rest of us. That's the plan. No, the only thing I'm arguing with is I don't know if they would do less. I think they're good at sharing it, but would they be motivated less for violence? Of course they would. They, they do, they're doing what they're doing, but they're doing specific calculated things with, let's say, an American journalist because they know that ramifications and the reach of that and the fear that it will paralyze yeah. America is better. They would have they would have rather blown up the twin towers than killed two thousand people. Quiet than they would have killed five. Would they have rather killed five thousand people quietly or done the twin towers? Your choice. Which which would you choose if you were ISIS and why? You would choose the well, twin towers because right. of the damage, the fear, the media coverage, and what what we would do beyond it to perpetuate it. I'm not. Well, the I other thing is to too do about that, by, do, that is by doing these things, they they get support from other people because when it is big and they hear, oh, ISIS really is doing it. They really did kill people in America, then their supporters, that's how they end up getting funds and other people supporting them, mm-hmm. and they become more real. So I, I agree with you, but at the same time, uh, it's not for them, it's not just a media thing. It really that's is. That's just a tactic. Kill. It's just you know a weapon. But, but Toby, I will say that. But it is, it is to kill and take over and murder and all that stuff. I mean, that's that's a part of their plan, but yes. The, the fear, goal is to win. Do you hear what destroy. I'm saying? Would they rather have 5,000 Americans dead or 2,000 dead and the Twin Towers go down on 9-11? Right. Which one? Right. I'm, I'm serious. Right. Which one? Twin Towers. Okay. Twin Towers. Toby, the fear that you're talking about, though, is I definitely think a huge reason why Trump seems such an yeah. ideal candidate for a lot of people because they think that he's so abrasive and crazy and belligerent right. and anti-terrorist that he's actually going to give people a sense of calmness and, ah, oh, we're safe again. And uh, I just I think that's a strong kind of a naive man. approach. But at the same time, I, I can see where they're coming from. Sure. All right. Here comes another one, Fox News. Uh, and, and speaking of Trump, on the other side, we, 
Sarah Silverman is booed at the DNC for telling Bernie Sanders supporters they're ridiculous. So Sarah Silverman was a big uh, Bernie supporter, but comedian Sarah Silverman didn't mince words in her message to diehard Bernie Sanders supporters at the Democratic Convention. Can I just say to the Bernie or bus people, you're being ridiculous? Sanders supporters immediately started booing the comedian and broke into chants of Bernie, Bernie. As the crowd <laughs> roared in applause, Minnesota Senator Al Franken, uh, you know, Saturday Night Live alum, uh, standing next to Silverman joked, listen to what you did. Franken noted that because he was a Clinton backer and Silverman was, a Sand- was with Sanders, they were forming a bridge. And then they ended up bringing on Paul Simon, which is kind of crazy. But there's a lot of people very upset that I don't know if y'all have heard about it. I know a little bit, not much. But basically, there's some emails leaked that said that they really were, the DNC was uh, conspiring against Bernie so that Hillary would win. And so I, I am literally at the point where I'm just in shock that we really have these two terrible candidates. <laughs> I, 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 I almost like, I cannot take anybody serious. I know a lot of smart people that are Hillary supporters, and I cannot take them seriously. I know a lot of smart people that are Trump supporters, and I cannot take them seriously. I, I literally believe if you are honestly supporting either one of these candidates, you are a stupid idiot. I, I love cannot that. I love that it. point of view. I it, won't even it, get it into it. It just destroys me. That. It just destroys me. You are being a moron. If, if you like either. I love it. Hillary is terrible. It, it, she's playing the female card. You don't want that to be the first female. She's awful. She thinks she's <laughs> entitled. She's miserable. Trump is a joke. He doesn't even know probably anything. some of the countries <laughs> we have to deal with. No. He doesn't know anything. Like it, People are saying he's this great businessman, and we're going to have somebody different in he there. He inherited that, his money, for crying right, out loud. Well, you don't need somebody that just is a businessman. You might need somebody that really knows some stuff about politics. I'm not completely for somebody that's not a politician at all. There's a little bit of need for that for the job, right? I I like that point of view. And I'm going to talk, I'll talk about this in the coming weeks, but uh, I think there's some really flawed logic in thinking that you have to support one or the other or else or one, not vote for one. I don't want to get into that right now. I don't, we don't, we've not got the time, but I will say I'm astonished continually and amazed by the diff, the gulf between the Republican party and the democratic party when it comes to, people involved with it that are cool, hip, or talented, or creative. Sarah Silverman, hilarious. Al Franken from Saturday Night Live and everything great. You, I mean, every celebrity, everybody that you like that's right. ever created anything is a right. Democrat. But Scott Bayo is cool. Yeah. I mean, that's it. What do <laughs> you got? You can get anybody to speak at the DNC. The yeah. Republicans can get Scott Bayo. You got Chachi. I mean, that's Antonio it. Sabato <laughs> Jr. Right? You can't. There's, there, it, it's just insane when it comes to the creative, it's all, or, or the the talent, like talented people. Right. The Republicans, it's just unbelievable. There's zero. It's what, hilarious. We, yeah. And the, and, the and, Republican, and, the Democratic well is endless with talented well, people. Well, how that about you love this too, respect. though? I mean, there. There are some serious actors that are Republican, but they ain't coming yeah, anywhere. Maybe close that's to part Trump. of it. You're right. That's a <laughs> good point because they, you, they're not. You can't Trump. come out. Yeah, that's true. Right. Like I mean, it's just crazy. That's a good. But, point. All right. I, um, we got time for one more. Or is that it? Let's just Y'all still there. Knock it out real quick. All right. Here we go. This one I think is cool. Uh, and oh, actually, I'm glad man. Fox News again. I, I three for three, guys. This is awesome. I, I didn't even have these in order, but I just kind of picked them out. I didn't know they were all from Fox. Sexy cosplayers can make $200,000 a year 
uh, at comic book conventions. Joey, do you know what a cosplayer is? Nope. <laughs> Matt, do you know? Yes, I do. Okay. So basically, Joey, a cosplayer is somebody that dress up as a in costume. Costume play. As, as yes, as a uh, somebody from a comic book or maybe a video game or something like that. But anyway, oh, scores, I saw them in New York City. They're all over the place. Uh, oh, I bet you did. I bet you really hung out with them. Scores of attracted women. Uh, scores of attracted attractive women made their way to Comic Con in San Diego, California, last week to don skimpy cosplay uh, outfits to entertain the convention superhero fans. Many do it just for fun, but for some, it's a job that pays well into six figures. And I wanted to make a little caveat here. I do want to say I just remembered when I found this news article, it the uh, on Fox News, it showed a lady with a cut out around her cleavage, and that is what made me click on it. So, sinfully, I found this. I do want to <laughs> acknowledge that. that As Fox News like, oh, knew it, too. That, that was their plan, for sure. Exactly. I was like, there is some serious cleavage here, but maybe it'll be a good story. But there was probably a little ulterior... Uh, ulterior motives there. In addition to a per diem and travel costs, popular professional cosplayers can make at least $5,000 to $10,000 a show, comic book expert Christian Burnick uh, told Fox 411. If you add in mail order sales, crowdfunding contributions, and YouTube ad revenue, the top talents are pulling in close to $200,000 a crazy. year. Kind of crazy. Um, and so there's several of these folks that are doing this stuff. And I was thinking... I think the world is kind of headed that way where it really is now nerd and smart rule. I think it was always that way, but now it's like acknowledges maybe even that's the case to where this is what it's going to be. Like these people that like comics aren't all nerds. I, I get it, but they're a little different than what used to be. Like you used to think of hot girls and sexy outfits as cheerleaders on a football team. You know what I mean? Like beside the football field, now it's becoming more and more where you're going to see attractive females headed towards the non-fit physically yeah. folks. Now the hottest and, women and, are yeah. dressed up like BB-8. Exactly. They're going to look like crazy people that I, they're going to dress as people I've never heard of and never will. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm sure these ladies are dressing up in characters that I have no idea who it is, but all these <laughs> folks going to this thing will know exactly. So I think nerds are really winning and it's probably a good thing. Like in smart, they're smart. They're changing the world for the better, all this good stuff. But I do think it's becoming less bro and more uh, intelligent, For real? Yep. nerdy guys. That's, that so, is and the that, case. And that's, Thanks to and Seattle. That's, Thanks to but Seattle. that's going to also push the sex industry in a certain way, too, which I think will, will at least be interesting to see what it is in the future. Might not, it won't be good, but it'll at least be interesting. Like more sophisticated porn? Oh, yeah, that's coming no matter what. I've said that for years. I, I'm, I believe that I'm the person that has said it the most, that robots, sex robots will be, like, the biggest thing. Not, not the earliest. I mean, you said it, like, 10 years behind other people, but you've said it, you've repeated it the most amount of times. Is that what you <laughs> yeah. right? No, no. You I literally just anybody. said it the most amount of times. No, I believe that I'm the one that, that is, is all over that. I think that I'm the one. Nobody else has talked about it as much as me, and so I'm, I'm all over that. But, Joey, I do want to say this, and, and we can even end the podcast right here. Okay. Why don't you dress as Fat Bastard? You can make $50 yeah, a week. Fat Bastard from <laughs> Austin Powers. From Austin Cosplay. Powers, Joey is fast, fat, fat Bastard. You can make $50 at least. At least. You won't make 200000 but your fat ass can make 50 bucks on a weekend. Hey, were your feelings hurt when Jessica bought you a sex robot? Great comeback. And no, they weren't. And thank you. That is the Bad Christian <laughs> Podcast. <laughs>
You've been listening to the Jabberjaw Podcast Network, jabberjawmedia.com.